What a roller coaster already of emotions. And I just hope that as we go through this series that Greg is not a prophet. Um, Because I don't know if I have any hair left to pull out. I love you kids. But having a sixth would just throw off the balance, you know, that we have going on. No, but uh, we love our five children. We have five children. They are 13, 11, 9, 7, and 5, for those that don't know. Danae, Eden, Caleb are here this morning, and Anya and Joshua are terrorizing, I mean, um, with the kids' ministry team out in the portable. Um, and so we love our, love our family, love our kids, and we love our 100 farm animals. Um, I don't have a picture yet of the pony. I'll, I'll try to get it for next week. Uh, her name is Marshmallow, by the way. But I want to begin this series, and I've talked about it for a few weeks, but I want to begin a series on the five-fold ministry found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16, and I'm pretty passionate about this, and so I will, uh, I will try to give you 30 minutes on apostles. It will be very difficult. Um, because I've prepared about six hours worth here, Um, but uh, I'm passionate about this subject. I'm passionate about this topic, Um, and the reason that I'm so passionate about it is because the purpose of the five-fold ministry is to equip the church for work of ministry. That we, as I have a title of pastor, but as pastors and and leaders within the church and ministry leaders that you might encounter in life groups and and Chinese group and uh, kids ministry and rock and youth and worship and all of these. We have ministry leaders, but the whole point of church is to equip all of you for work of ministry. And so over the next few weeks, we're gonna discuss these five gifts of Jesus that he gave to the church. And the five gifts of Jesus that he gave to the church are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Some might call these four gifts because shepherd, teacher, pastor, teacher is really one gift in the Greek, but it is expressed throughout the church and throughout history as two different gifts, and so we're going to call them the fivefold ministry, otherwise known as the five gifts of Jesus otherwise known as the ministry gifts, otherwise known as spiritual gifts. Now, there's lots of different areas within the New Testament that Paul specifically talks about spiritual gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Father. These are the gifts of Jesus we refer to them as. So let's pray, and then we'll open up God's word to Ephesians 4, and I'm excited this morning to share with you. Father, I pray that as we open your word, that your word would speak to us, that your word would be deposited into our hearts like seed this morning, Lord, and that you would begin to water that seed and that that seed would grow up and lead to fruit, that other lives around us would experience what you've placed in us, Lord, and what you'd like to do through us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Now, there are two types of people in this world. There are pioneers and settlers. Pioneers are the first ones to go. These are the innovators, the inventors, the ones who go out ahead of everyone else. 
These are the pioneers. They explore new land. They set up new systems. They go to far off places and they do new things. Pioneers risk a lot. Pioneers have this kind of radical faith and they have radical innovation. People, maybe you like to think of like an Elon Musk. He's pretty popular in the news. Um, and Elon Musk is like one of these pioneers. Now, he's lost a ton of money in some of these ventures, right? But some of them he's done amazing. Like, I think he had a, like three failed rockets to space before he finally sent one. I mean, that's a lot of money, right? But he's that type, that pioneer type that is willing to do whatever it takes for something new. Those are your pioneers. And then you have your settlers. Now, I used to think settlers were kind of boring, but settlers are really the ones that maintain and improve upon something that already exists. They may not be the first, but they are the most stable. <laughs> They're the ones that bring structure and systems and organization to businesses, to families, to churches, to communities, or whatever. And so on one hand, you have pioneers. On the other hand, you have settlers. Both of them equally needed because if you don't have settlers, the pioneers' ideas fall flat. And if you don't have pioneers, there really are no ideas, and settlers just sit around playing Catan. <laughs> that was a joke for those that play Settlers of Catan. Thank you to all 12 of you. Apostles are sent ones. Apostles are pioneers. God sends pioneers to expand the kingdom of God. And apostles are these sent ones. Apostles are men and women that burn with the desire to see God's kingdom expanded. It could be in our local community, there's this burning desire to expand God's kingdom. But very often, apostles are traveling both locally and internationally as sent ones with the gospel. Many times, missionaries are apostles. But they're not just far off, they're in our community as well. And so Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Who gave? Jesus gave. He refers to Jesus. So Jesus gave these five gifts to the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him, Christ, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it 
builds itself up in love. Long passage, but it's important to read the entire thing because within this passage, there's a few things to note. Number one, it's Jesus' gifts to the church. There are five gifts that we're gonna talk about over the next five weeks. This week, we're gonna focus on the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, and teacher. But the reason these gifts exist is equally or more important than the gifts themselves. The reason these gifts exist is to equip the church for work of ministry, to equip all of you for work of ministry. Now, some people see these roles as titles, that we have the capital A apostle and prophet and evangelist and pastor and teacher, similar to you know, my signature on my email. It says, you know, pastor Joel Conti. But really, these are not titles as much as they are roles. In other words, we're not talking about capital A apostles, which is why we have it lowercase. We're talking about the role of an apostle, the role of a prophet, the role of an evangelist, the role of a pastor, the role of a teacher. We're talking about functions within the church, that Paul highlights that the fivefold ministry is for equipping the church. He says the fivefold ministry is to build up the body of Christ. He says the fivefold ministry is to promote unity and diversity. He says the fivefold ministry is to strengthen our doctrine. Do you notice that? He says Jesus gave this, these gifts to the church so that we wouldn't be just sort of tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine. Yet the fivefold ministry has literally been tossed aside as a doctrine. The reason I'm so passionate about this is because I believe this is actually critical to the foundation of every single church. I believe this is critical to the foundation of the original church. In the first century, I believe this is critical to capital C, global church, the universal church. I think this passage is one of the most important passages in the entire New Testament outside of the Gospels and the life of Jesus. Because Paul is literally saying, this is what a church should look like. The fivefold ministry is to build up the church in love. In love. And so this, this week we're going to talk about apostles, sent ones. Now, in the Hebrew, uh, there's a word as well for sent ones, and it's the word um, emissary. I translated that. So, in, in rabbinic teaching, an emissary is someone who is authorized to act on behalf of another. And so in the Hebrew Bible, there would be these emissaries that are authorized to act on behalf of others. It's existed even before the Gospels, before Jesus. There was apostles in the Old Testament. There were sent ones. Some might call these ambassadors. Ambassadors are sent ones with the authority from the country or the particular place that they're sent from. And so apostles are sent ones. Apostles, though, carry an authority. 
an authority over unclean spirits, demonic spirits, over sickness, over territories. And Paul says that apostles are the initial foundation stones. We've looked at this before in Ephesians 2, but for those that weren't here many, many weeks ago, I'll read it again. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about the apostles and prophets as the foundation stones for the church. He says, therefore, you are no longer strangers and aliens, foreigners, but fellow citizen with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. What he's saying is, is that Jesus himself is the only cornerstone. Imagine that this light was a cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He's the only cornerstone. But then right next to Jesus as the cornerstone are the apostles and the prophets. They're the first foundation stones to be laid right next to Jesus. Now, what's interesting is, this is this does not mean that the apostles and prophets sit on thrones and rule and reign down at God's people. This actually means that the apostles and prophets are the first and initial servants in the kingdom of God. That Jesus' intention would be that these sent ones, these pioneers, these innovators, these culture shapers um, would be the first ones sent to establish new work. Now, when I say apostles, the reason why I want to keep the A small is because there's only one capital A apostle. Do you know his name? His name is Jesus. And there's only one capital P prophet. It's going to be tough. Do you know what his name is? His name is Jesus too. And then only one capital E evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And his name is Jesus. So when I say that we're laying new foundation stones, apostles are not doing completely new work aside from what Jesus did. They're doing new work in new communities. They are missionaries. They are setting up schools and hospitals and church planters. In Ethiopia, we sponsor many church planters. There are church planters in our community. And all of these men and women that are church planters and missionaries and you know, innovators and culture shapers, um, all of these men and women have an apostolic calling to their life. We don't call them apostle. Apostle Greg and Apostle Esther in France. But the apostolic is within them. It burns within them to be sent ones. Did you know that the first apostles in the Bible are Adam and Eve? No. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God commissions Adam and Eve, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. 
Amen, honey. (laughs) And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and subdue and have dominion and expand your territory until it fills the earth. The commissioning to Adam and Eve was to be sent ones that expanded the Garden of Eden to eventually take over the entire earth. They're apostles. They're apostles sent by God to expand the Garden of Eden over the earth. Now that is a prophetic picture of the kingdom of God. The Garden of Eden is the kingdom of God. And in the same way that Adam and Eve were called to expand the Garden of Eden, they were called to expand the kingdom of God until ultimately it filled the entire earth. And they're called to rule and reign and have dominion. Now, it's really hard for us to understand what dominion would look like today in a sin-filled world because our first thought is that dominion is prideful It's this governmental overreach. It is dictatorship. We have all of these terms that we come up with because our only concept of dominion is actually unhealthy, right? Our only concept of dominion is this weird ruling and reigning over areas. But in the Garden of Eden, there was no sin. So it was perfect dominion, perfect rulership with humility and servanthood, and God was telling Adam and Eve exactly what to do, and they were expanding the Garden of Eden, they were expanding the kingdom of God. To me, they were fulfilling the role of apostles, sent ones on behalf of God, authorized by God to expand the kingdom of God. Now, there are other apostles also in the Old Testament. Moses was an apostle, a sent one to rescue God's people. Joshua is an apostle. Abraham was a sent one. And so we see, rather than look at it as this New Testament concept of apostles, there was throughout rabbinic literature Throughout the Hebrew Bible, there are emissaries and ambassadors that all fulfilled that same role of an apostle. When I first thought about this concept of the fivefold ministry, the thought that popped into my mind was that God doesn't change. God doesn't change. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do we believe this? We believe this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And then the immediate thought I had was, Do his gifts change? 
If Jesus doesn't change, do his gifts change? And of course I said no. (laughs) That means everything that Jesus did in the Gospels, everything he commissioned the disciples to do in the first century church is available today. It never stopped. It never ceased. It never was supposed to be buried. I mean, imagine if I stood up here and there's a lot of, I don't want to speak negatively about any other churches, but I will speak negatively about concepts. The concept that the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher no longer exists today, to me, is actually unbiblical. It violates the sovereignty of God that he doesn't change. That theological concept is called immutability. God cannot change, will not change, will never change, and Jesus doesn't change. So if God doesn't change, his gifts don't change. Amen? Amen. It's going to be good. I think it's important to realize this because we have, each of us in this room, I believe, will lean toward one of these five gifts. And so I look out and I see apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers right here. I think it's so important that you know who you are in the kingdom and why God has called you. And I think a big thing that we don't realize is the authority that we have. That song, Champion, I know is a new song, but if you could go and read those lyrics again and play that song all week, because there's some things in that that I really believe were lyrics for us for this series. And one thing that was in that song talked about the authority that we have. And that in our mouth, when we speak, Miracles happen. Did you catch that in the lyrics? Do we know what miracles are? Hallelujah. I'm just preaching to one this morning. I'm preaching to you. Miracles are God showing off. Miracles are supernatural works of God that have no earthly explanation. Miracles are the manifestation of God's presence and power on earth as it is in heaven. And all of you are called to a life of miracles. Not miracles like somebody bought my Starbucks today, got my refund check from the government a day earlier than I thought I did. No, I mean mind-blowing, how did this happen? I was terminal, cancer throughout my body, and I was healed. It's those kinds of miracles. And it's authority that I think is hanging us up here. 
In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, I want to talk about authority quickly, and then that might be all the time I have. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, he, Jesus, called the 12. So when this happens, what I like to do is I like to go, I'm one of the 12, and I'm not Judas. I'm one of the 12, <laughs> right? I like to throw myself in there. I like to go, and he called Joel and the other 11 and began to send them out two by two. We've gone out two by two. I've gone out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Authority. Authority is given to Jesus from the Father. Authority is then given to the disciples from Jesus. Now, if Jesus gave gifts to the church, do we think that Jesus authorized the church to perform those gifts? Yes. Now, what is authority? Authority is, is well represented in our police force, the RCMP. When you're speeding down the road going 30 over in a school zone, and the police put on their lights, you pull over, right? Has anybody not pulled over? Anyone? On live stream, watching from prison, maybe you didn't pull over. But generally, we all pull over, right? If a policeman is standing in front of you and you're coming at him and he puts up his hand, do you run him over or her over? No, right? Now, he's standing there with his hand up. Is he more powerful than your car? No. When he raises his hand, or she raises her hand, sorry, they, he, she, raises their hand to stop you, you stop. Why? Because they carry the authority of the government. The whole RCMP is behind them, the government, the law, and if you run them over, you're going to jail. In other words, they are authorized to stop you, and you stop because of their authority. I'll give you another example. This week, we had to um, go to a, a, gravel, um, a, a gravel pit to buy gravel for our horse paddocks. Anyone else have this problem? Yes, so we had to find new gravel, new topping for them, and so I was calling around looking for it, and I finally got on the phone with a guy named Cal, and Cal runs Hughes Trucking. And I said, Cal, I'm looking for gravel. And he said to me, go to the gravel yard. Here's the address. Pull in. Tell them that Cal sent you. And they'll show you what gravel you should have. I said, okay. So I pulled in to this gravel pit. I felt completely out of place already. Like what big, huge machines, huge trucks, gravel piles everywhere. And I'm pulling in. I get out. I go to this uh, construction office. I walk in the door. What do you think the first thing I did was? I said, hi, Cal sent me. <laughs> now, immediately the guy, his face changed. See, when I walked in and he saw me, he was like, and then I was like, Cal sent me. And he's like, oh, come on in. <laughs> and then he said to me, 
that's the pile you want to look at. And he pointed in some random direction. He said, go, go find that pile. Take a high visibility vest and walk through. There's lots of big machines. Don't get run over. I grabbed a high visibility, put it on. I'm walking through. I know how this works. So I'm walking through and I'm trying to make eye contact with all the operators. We get to the pile. Then some guy on a huge machine comes over and he comes up and he's like, can I help you? Like kind of abrupt. And I, what do you think I did? I said, Cal, Cal sent me to this pile of gravel. It was Cal. And he goes, oh, okay, what are you looking, what are you doing? And then his whole manner changed. His tone changed. I was welcomed into the gravel family for five minutes. And he said, this is, this stuff is great. I know other people that use it for horse paddocks. And I said, perfect. You see, I wasn't authorized to be at this gravel pit. However, there was a name. And that name, Cal, carried a lot of authority. I might use Cal's name at Starbucks. <laughs> I mean, it's a name above every other name in that gravel pit. You know what I'm saying? Every gravel worker's knee bowed. Okay, we'll leave that alone. So, and then I realized throughout our life, there are places that we go and we don't feel like we have the authority. There are things we pray for in our life that we don't feel like we have the authority. There are miracles that we contend for, healing, breakthrough, financial, deliverance, salvation, and we don't feel like we have the authority. And we don't. However, there is a name. There is a name that is above every other name. And, and Jesus himself has placed on your life an authority that you can't earn and you can't learn. And he says that you can walk into any space, any atmosphere, and you can speak the name of Jesus. And when we shout the name of Jesus over our situations, or when we whisper the name of Jesus over our circumstances, or when we're on our knees in the middle of the night, not knowing how we're going to get such and such breakthrough, it is the name of Jesus that authorizes us to have powerful breakthrough in every area of our life. It is not willpower, it's an empowered will. It's not our own authority, it's the authority of Jesus. It's not our own name, it's the name of Jesus. It's not the volume of our voice, it's the name of Jesus. 
It's not how many Bible verses we've memorized. It's not perfect prayers that are in King James only. It's none of that that gives you authority except the name of Jesus. And when you declare the name of Jesus in a situation, you declare the nature of Jesus in the situation and you release him to show up and show off. And there are things that we are contending for in our life that we just don't feel authorized for. But Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter one that Jesus is seated at the right hand in heavenly places, far above rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things, everybody say all things, under his feet and gave him as head over all things, say all things again, to the church. To the church. We should just name the church all things. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Because the church is his body, he as the head authorizes his body to express his work. Because he is the head over all things and he has all power and all rule and all authority and all dominion and in his name is that authority, he wants his body to reflect what his mind is thinking. He wants his body to be the expressed manifestation of who Jesus is, which is why he gave gifts to the church. He did not give gifts to the church to be placed under a Christmas tree for all of time. He placed gifts, he gave gifts to the church that they would be unwrapped, opened, experienced, shared. And that's through you. Through you. You have authority on your life. The name of Jesus and the nature of Jesus. I'll invite the worship team to come up and, and let me just pray for you. Thank you, Father, that there are in this room apostles, sent ones, Lord, authorized from heaven to expand the kingdom of God, Lord. Some that will go and innovate and, and shape and shift cultures, Lord. They'll go into new places, Lord, overseas. They'll be church planters, Lord, and missionaries in this place. They'll, there's people in this room right now, Lord, that are being sent into this community as sent ones, Lord, with the authority of heaven to establish and expand the kingdom of God. 
And I pray for those that are here this morning where this calling of the apostle is pulling them and calling them, Lord. I pray that you would reveal to them the areas that you want them to go into, Lord. We pray a blessing on everyone here in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.